Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Board of Pharmacy podcast series, the what, why, and how of the recent Board of Pharmacy meeting that was conducted uh, here in May of 2017. This is Anthony Pudlow, the Vice President of Professional Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association, and want to thank everybody for joining. I am joined here today by actually two Board Board of Pharmacy staff members. I have Andrew Funk, the Executive Director of the Board, and I also have Sue Mears, one of the Compliance Officers. Uh, We had quite uh, an active Board of Pharmacy meeting today, I'd say from a lot of various uh, rules that were being discussed and even some uh, recap of the 2017 legislative session. But what I'd like to focus our podcast series on today is is a couple rules that were uh, voted on by the Board of Pharmacy today to move towards um, actually becoming uh, 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 effective rules. Um, They were uh, voted on today as an adoption and filing. So I wanted to start the podcast off by uh, looking probably here towards to Andrew, I think Andrew, our first uh, rule that was uh, voted on today for adoption and filing um, related to Chapter 37, which relates to the prescription drug monitoring program. Could you uh, highlight um, why why the board was looking at this rule or making some updates to the PMP and, and what maybe some of those rule changes that were entailed? Yeah, uh, thanks, Anthony. So the the board has uh, is currently going through. Um, all of its chapters and reviewing uh, its rules and updating and sort of cleaning up a lot of the, uh, the the areas that needed to be addressed or need to be addressed. And one of those was Chapter 37. And, and as we did that, we also uh, included some some updated language that came from last year's legislative activity from Senate File 2102. And that just included the uh, some definition updates for uh, electronic health records and and th- basically the ability of the PMP to integrate with electronic health information exchange networks and um, electronic health record systems, pharmacy systems, and those types of things. So, uh, in addition to that, uh, there were some clarifications on what was exempt or what is exempt and who's exempt from reporting to the PMP. Um, clarifications on information that's deemed confidential. And also increases the number of authorized agents that a practitioner, uh, which would be a prescriber or a pharmacist, can have that uh, registers under under the, uh, the the prescriber or practitioner. So help me understand that um, as well, Andrew. So you're saying that um, a pharmacist or say a prescriber could delegate the the access to the PMP underneath them. I think currently that rule is that um, allowed up to three individuals that 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 could be registered. What's the new uh, change to? Yeah, um, that's that's a good point, Anthony. And I, I, I do this is a point that I, I do want to clarify because I think there's some misconception about this. Um, the the delegation, the delegated authority, uh, it works in a works in a fashion such that each individual who is accessing PMP information must have their own uh, login credentials. Sure. So what I mean is. Um, even though you can have authorized agents view the PMP information under a practitioner or a pharmacist, um, the pharmacist should not be sharing their login credentials with technicians. And same thing with prescribers. They should not be sharing uh, login credentials with uh, nursing staff or other designees. So this bill uh, allowed, it, allowed the expansion to go from uh, three designees up to six. So now each pharmacist may authorize, um, say, six technicians 
underneath their authority to access PMP information. And I think the other thing that I, I found interesting with that rule change, too, is that the board is allowing um, uh, researchers to potentially work with the board staff on further evaluating um, the data that's there in the PMP. So I know that's been a, a piece that was very important as we try to evaluate the effectiveness of the PMP as well. That's correct. Well, they, they have the ability to um, request de-identified information for research and statistical purposes. Perfect. Yep. Thanks, Andrew. Well, maybe, Sue, I want to turn to you to another rule that was voted on today. And, and actually, between what the PMP rule that was uh, voted on and, and, and approved to move forward, um, Sue, another one that the board did vote in approval on was one that relates to chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter 100 that relates to the electronic certified tracking system. Um, can you maybe speak to uh, where these recommendations came from or why the board was really looking to make some updates to the, to the certified tracking system? Yeah, sure. Uh, so chapter 100 is the board's chapter for um, the pseudofed tracking, pseudofedrin uh, tracking system. And like Andrew mentioned for the PMP chapter, um, the board is in the process of doing an overall review of all chapters of rules. Um, so this chapter is actually um, a chapter for um, the Office of Drug Control Policy. Um, it's their program, so these are their rules essentially, um, but they don't have the authority in code to write rules, so um, the Board of Pharmacy has, has put these rules in our chapters. Um, so some of the basic changes were just cleaning up um, some housekeeping and um, updating code references, et cetera, and those changes were provided by ODCP, um, but as far as um, the practice of selling pseudoephedrine, um, the board had um, received a suggestion to um, open up the process and allow technicians to be part of the sale, um, to authorize that sale. Um, I think they, you know, they were getting feedback from pharmacies that, you know, in reality, a patient comes in and hands, you know, the ID, and all the pharmacist is doing is just taking a look at it. It's not really necessarily assessing um, whether that patient, how much that, the Sudafed that patient has gotten, that's, um, the information is put into um, the, the online database and that information comes back. Mm -hmm. um, so there's really not any um, major um, value or benefit that the pharmacist is providing that the technician can't do in that process. Um, but it did seem like during the conversation with the board that the, the role of the pharmacist in supervising that transaction is still a very important process. Right, right. So understanding, yeah, maybe that patient is just coming in for a routine mm -hmm. uh, decongestant for their mm -hmm. for the allergy, uh, allergy seasons. Um, but then if it's actually more more consultative in nature, that's where definitely that pharmacist has to play a role. Absolutely, so. yeah. yeah. So the technician can only um, handle that sale when they're working under the supervision of the pharmacist. Um, but it, it kind of takes that, that technical process of just keying in their information um, mm -hmm. and allows the farm, the technician to do that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the board um, adopted uh, those rules for um, to be effective. So, yeah, so again, exactly. So both the PMP rules that we talked about and the Sudafed piece were both voted today and approved to move forward after um, being adopted and filed. So they will go um, back basically to the state for final approval to be um, become effective here. Usually, and I might look at both of you if you know an exact date, but I, I know it's usually about 30 to 45 days from now that the effective date will, will take place. Right, it depends on when they're actually uh, filed. Um, so the board has adopted them, but then they will be filed with the 
um, administrative rules um, coordinator, and I believe it's 35 days yeah, after the data filing that they become effective. Okay. So I, I don't know an exact date. It would depend on when they're filed. Gotcha. Well, thank you for an update on those. And, and I think then uh, really there's a lot of a great uh, uh, discussion on a lot of uh, rules that were noticed for intended action, mm -hmm. meaning that the board intends to um, adopt new regulations uh, around a lot of different practices. And I think, as you both mentioned, this is part of the Board of Pharmacy's regular five-year period of re-reviewing all their rules. The one that was most intriguing, I think, that um, I think relates to a lot of our listeners is that that relates to Chapter 10 on controlled substances. Um, and I think, Sue, you, you referenced actually um, some of the changes coming forward, and I think the biggest one relates to legislation, federal legislation that passed last year, that meaning uh, that being the uh, Comprehensive Addiction and Recovery Act, or CARA, mm -hmm. as it's abbreviated. Can you speak to what, um, what that law has done and how the board is acting um, with updates to Chapter 10? Sure, yeah. CARA um, was signed into law, I believe, in July of uh, 2016. Um, so in our proposed um, amendments to Chapter 10, um, we are proposing to include the language of CARA. Um, and what CARA does is it would allow a pharmacist to partially fill any C2 prescription at the request of the patient or the prescriber, um, but then also would allow the pharmacist to fill the remaining portion within 30 days. Um, so it would you know, give the patient or the prescriber the opportunity when they're starting a new medication to only get a few days worth if, you know, if cost is an issue or if they're not sure it's going to work for that patient. Um, and, you know, the goal is, of course, to try to keep, um, to limit how many um, opioids are being dispensed um, unnecessarily. If it's a new medication and it's not going to work for that patient, then, you know, you have less opioids just sitting around somebody's house that could be diverted. Um, so. The federal law would allow that partial filling, but then would allow the, the remaining portion to be filled within 30 days, which is something that would not be allowed uh, previously. So in current Iowa law and board rules, there's nothing in code or board rules that would prohibit that practice um, other than the filling of the remaining quantity. And of course, a pharmacy could partially fill, but they would be prohibited from filling sure. the remaining portion. Um, so under... Um, with the federal law as it is now, um, this rule, proposed rule change would specifically authorize it in board rules. Um, it still wouldn't address it either way in code, um, so there's nothing in code that says a pharmacist can't do that. So if a pharmacist were doing that now, you know, under um, the purview of the federal law and in good faith of um, the federal law, they wouldn't be violating any Iowa rules or laws. Um, but putting it into uh, rules just gives them that assurance and that in black and white to see that they can do it. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really great, um, great thing. Um, to yeah, get, Sue, to get that's that's definitely a good point. I know throughout uh, throughout this year, as IPA has been conduct conducting our IPA goes local programming that focuses on the opioid epidemic. We've been hearing that 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 piece right there, mm -hmm. and I think that's where also there has been question um, whether Iowa code currently prevents that from happening. But in this case, you're saying right now there's nothing in there that says you can't. But this new rule that's coming forward to just help clarify that right. you can. Right. So your current scenarios of partial filling for say a long-term care patient or when um, you have insufficient supply, those. Um, options of partial filling prescriptions are not specifically identified or prohibited in Iowa code, 
they're allowed federally, and so the board has picked them up in rural mm -hmm. to just give pharmacists an easier way to know what their options are and that they can do that. Um, so this is just adding another one of those scenarios so that they can partially fill that remaining quantity. Uh, anything else you'd like to add or uh, comment on about that proposed uh, those proposed rules in Chapter 10? Um, I think the other uh, only other thing that I think would be exciting for uh, pharmacies is proposing to remove the requirement uh, that pharmacies have to initial each line of the DEA 222 form. <laughs> um, uh, our the board's current rules require you know when you get your 22 you get your C2 order and you've got your 222 form that you uh, put the quantity, the date, and initial each line. Um, and in looking further into uh, DEA's regulations and Code of Federal Regulations, we find that DEA does not require that initialing each line. So we are proposing to remove that in the board's rule, Perfect. which would be nice. Well, great. Well, I, I do encourage all of our listeners out there, um, uh, based on some of the comments that uh, Sue is sharing on this, and even there's several other chapters that were proposed and voted on to move forward in the rulemaking process, um, those will actually move for a public comment period that, um, yes, while IPA will submit comments um, as well, we encourage all individual pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and pharmacies to submit comments, whether they're in support or have other suggestions to these rules, um, through, through actually the state's website, which is rules.iowa.gov. And all, all regulatory rules that are proposed are available there for viewing and for comments. So um, I'm sure the board would be very happy to see additional feedback from, um, from pharmacists and pharmacies out there in the state. So I do encourage all of you to do so. Well, I think that really concludes our podcast uh, for today. I would just have two quick updates. Um, while um, this uh, this Board of Pharmacy meeting um, was did occur today, it's actually supposed to occur a couple weeks ago, um, and because of the slight change, we had just a little bit of issue with processing our continuing education credit, so it won't immediately show up um, as accredited for CE. Um, usually here within 24 hours, there will be about a week or two delay, so I apologize for the inconvenience there. We still will have it accredited. It just will take a little bit of time to get that populated and appropriately on the uh, CEI website for those of you that are um, seeking CE credit for today's podcast. Otherwise, we thank you for your time and we look forward to our next Board of Pharmacy podcast, What, Why, and How, um, uh, during the next or shortly after the next open session of the Board of Pharmacy meeting, which occurs on June 28, 2017. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Sue, for your time today.